Well, if you open up a human anatomy book, you see all parts of the human body. Bones, muscle groups, nervous system, cardiovascular system, immune system. Anatomy is the science concerned with identifying and, and understanding human body structures, both at the macro and the, and the micro level. If you open up the Psalms in the Bible and begin to read them and even pray with them, you see all parts of the human soul. John Calvin, one of the great uh, Reformation theologians, called the Psalms an anatomy of the soul. For, for there is not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not there represented as in a mirror. That's why the Psalms are such a special gift for us as God's people. They show us how to pray all of our soul's anatomy. And when we do that, we open ourselves up to a God who knows exactly what to do with us. We open up ourselves to God's transforming love and experience a deeper relationship with Jesus. Over the past two weeks, we've looked at how the Psalms help us pray honestly before God in light of God's gracious knowing. We talked about how the Psalms teach us to pray our sadness with God. Today, we look at a part of our soul's anatomy that we might think is, is off limits. How the Psalms teach us to pray our anger. Let us pray. God, open our hearts to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us, transform us, that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 35. I invite you to listen for God's word. Lord, argue with those who argue with me. Fight with those who fight against me. Grab a shield and armor. Stand up and help me. Use your spear and axe against those who are out to get me. Say to me, I am your salvation. Let those who want me dead be humiliated and put to shame. Let those who intend to hurt me be thoroughly frustrated and disgraced. Let them be like dust on the wind, and let the Lord's messenger be the one who does the blowing. Let their path be dark and slippery, and let the Lord's messenger be the one who does the chasing. Because they hid their net for me for no reason. They dug a pit for me for no reason. Let disaster come to them, and when they don't suspect it, let the net they, let the net they hid catch them instead. Let them fall into it to their disaster. But I will rejoice in the Lord. I will celebrate his salvation. All my bones will say, Lord, who could compare to you? You rescue the weak from those who overpower them. You rescue the weak and the needy from those who plunder them. Violent witnesses stand up. They question me about things I know nothing about. They pay me back evil for good, leaving me stricken with grief. But when they were sick, I wore clothes for grieving, and I kept a strict fast. When my prayer came back unanswered, I would wander around like I was grieving a friend or brother. I was weighed down, sad, like I was a mother in mourning. But when I stumbled, they celebrated and gathered together. They gathered together against me. Strangers I didn't even know tore me to pieces and wouldn't quit. They ridiculed me over and over again, like godless people would do, grinding their teeth at me. How long, my Lord, will you watch this happen? Rescue me from their attacks. Rescue my precious life from these predatory lions. Then I will thank you in the great assembly. I will praise you in a huge crowd of people. Don't let those who are my enemies without cause celebrate over me. Don't let those who hate me for no reason wink at my demise. They don't speak the truth. 
Instead, they plot false accusations against innocent people in the land. They speak out against me saying, yes, oh yes, we've seen it with our own eyes. But you've seen it too, Lord. Please don't keep quiet about it. Please don't be far from me, my Lord. Wake up, get up and do justice for me. Argue my case, my Lord and my God. Establish justice for me according to your righteousness, Lord my God. Don't let them celebrate over me. Don't let them say to themselves, yes, exactly what we wanted. Don't let them say, we ate him up. Let all those who celebrate my misfortune be disgraced and put to shame. Let those who exalt themselves over me be dressed up in shame and dishonor. But let those who want things to be set right for me shout for joy and celebrate. Let them constantly say, the Lord is great. God wants his servant to be at peace. Then my tongue will talk about your righteousness. It will talk about your praise all day long. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Do you ever get angry? I know I do sometimes. Recently, I've been very angry at uh, some other pastors and leaders who've been propagating myths about what the United Methodists believe in order to try and sway people to join a new denomination and leave the United Methodist Church. And I remember watching a series of videos put forth by one of them that proceeded to suggest that United Methodists don't believe the Bible, don't believe in the Trinity, and don't acknowledge Christ's atoning death on the cross. Come to know, join this new denomination we're starting. I was seething. <laughs> it wasn't just the lies, is that there were actually people believing them too. You can ask my wife. I probably look like the cartoon character, you know, where the face turns red and there's steam coming out of the top of the head. My hands were clenched. I banged the sofa and I proceeded to vent while pacing around the, the downstairs. I was very angry. I'm still angry. I remember getting angry in the movie theater watching the movie Just Mercy. I don't know if you've seen it. That outlines the justice work of Brian Stevenson that profiles a wrongfully imprisoned man in the South because of entrenched racism and personal bigotry. And I was boiling inside, inside the theater. It angers me to know that what the movie highlighted is just the tip of the iceberg when, and that racism still has such a strong foothold. I got angry watching a Netflix documentary called Pray Away that explores the profound harm and pain inflicted on LGBTQ persons by controversial conversion therapy programs run by Christians. It angers me that such harm is being done out of supposed faithfulness to Jesus. I'm old enough to remember how angry I eventually got after 9-11 at the people who could do something like that. It's the same feeling I had when the Capitol was stormed. I get angry watching the news and seeing episode after episode of gun violence, and yet not one thing changes. But I also get angry when someone cuts in front of me in traffic or pulls out in front of me, especially when they slow down at the intersection first as if to think, yep, you know what, I think I'm going to come on out right in front of them. Lift up my hands like, really, come on gotten angry at my kids before. Not proud of it, but it's true. I've gotten angry at, at complete lack of listening, disrespect, and I've exploded and said, go upstairs now. I've gotten angry when Duke lost a basketball game before. Do you ever get angry? Do you ever struggle with anger? Anger is not inherently bad. Jesus got angry. 
All anger, though, is not created equal. But all anger should be handled with God. Psalm 35 captures David's anger. In fact, more psalms than we realize contain raw anger. And and reading them can cause nice, proper Christians like ourselves to quiver and think, wait, this kind of stuff is in the Bible? But it's so harsh. Yes, it can sound harsh. Yes, it's in the Bible, and that's for good reason. The problem is not that there's vengeance in the psalms. The problem is that there's vengeance in us. That's exactly why we need a way to pray our anger. Psalm 35 and and others like it help us to feel angry without being undone by anger. They help us to be angry without taking vengeance into our own hands. They help us to be angry for the right reasons and to work through it toward healing and forgiveness and redemptive love. You get a sense of David's anger right away. He doesn't pretend it's not there. He doesn't stuff it away. He names it and he directs it toward God. It's like David has said, I'm angry. And God has said, yes, I can see that. Now tell me how you really feel. And David does. Look at what he tells God to do. He wants God to argue and fight against his enemy, to use a spear and axe against them, for them to be humiliated and put to shame, frustrated and disgraced, their path to be dark and slippery and disaster to come upon them. That's how angry David is. He names it and he owns it before God. Psalm 35 teaches us that when we pray our anger, we need to name it and own it before God. We need to say how we really feel. Or as Eugene Peterson says, we need to be able to cuss without cussing. We name it and own it before God honestly. We name it and own it before God honestly. So that it can be dealt with by God and not by us. We can't yield something over to God that we haven't honestly expressed and name. God is the safest space to share the rawness of our anger. It's like divine screaming into a pillow. We, we speak it so that we don't act it and do harm to ourselves or others. We lash out with our words before God so we don't lash out with our actions before others. Name it and own it. And that quickly leads to something else that we see in Psalm 35. When we pray our anger, we don't just name it and own it, Name and own the fact that we're angry. We also name the situation or the events or the people that are bound up with the anger. In other words, we investigate it in prayer. David does this. He investigates and traces the source of his anger. That's why we know, uh, that's how we know why David is angry. He says that in prayer that violent witnesses have falsely accused him of a crime. He says people that he once cared for have paid him back evil for good. He says that when he stumbled, they celebrated his downfall, ridiculing him and grinding their teeth at him. So as he prays his anger, David traces its source. Our anger is never in isolation, right? It's always connected to something else. So the question is what or who? I've heard it said that that anger is what we feel when something we love is threatened. Anger is what we feel when something we love is threatened. In other words, anger is sometimes the first sign 
that we really love or care about something or someone. And that's why it's so important to trace its source with God. David traces his anger to people who have falsely accused him and who have celebrated his downfall. In other words, there's injustice taking place. It's not just that David loves his his reputation. David loves justice. He's rightly angry at people seeking to do him harm and to do harm. But not all anger is created equal. Getting angry that your stock portfolio is down is not the same thing as anger that someone's else's negligence hurt a loved one. If I were to prayerfully trace, investigate my anger with God in the examples that I shared from my own life earlier, I would arrive at very different places. Anger at racism, anger at harm caused to LGBTQ persons, anger at lies being told about a church that I deeply love, reveal that I care about people who are experiencing harm and injustice. It's anger born of love for the things that God loves and cares about. But if I trace my anger at being cut off in traffic or angry at my kid's disobedience or anger at my teen losing, I discover my anger reveals what I love and care about is my own pride and control. It's an anger born of disordered loves. Brene Brown says that anger needs something to ignite. In the first case, our anger can ignite a passion for justice or or serving others or or creating kingdom change. In the second case, our anger just ignites our own self-righteousness. In the first case, we relinquish it to God. In the second case, we end up asking God for forgiveness. When we pray our anger, we name it, own it, we investigate it, And then we relinquish it to God. We relinquish it to God. We hand it over. And that final step is crucial because without it, the prayer might be therapeutic, but it won't be transformational. In Psalm 35, David relinquishes his anger by confessing God's character and handing over justice to God. You rescue the weak from those who overpower them. You rescue the weak and needy from those who plunder them. And then a little bit later, you've seen it too, Lord. Wake up and do justice for me. Establish justice for me according to your righteousness. This is David's anger driving him not into deeper hatred for his enemies, but deeper trust in God's justice. Instead of holding on tightly to his anger, he instead opens up his hands and his heart to who God is and what God can do. Because David trusts in God's righteous character, he can let go of his desire to exact vengeance and place justice instead in God's hands. David doesn't say, God, empower me to use a spear and axe against my enemies. God, I'm going to fight them and repay them for what they did to me. God, help me get them. Give me the strength to repay them. No. David says, you grab a spear and axe, God. You fight with those who fight against me. I lay this before you to do something about it because I believe you to be a God of justice. When we relinquish our anger to God and and hand over our desire for vengeance 
to God, when we hand over justice to God, we remember that we're not supposed to take vengeance into our own hands. We can't love our enemies as Jesus tells us to do that way. That's not the road to forgiveness or healing. However, handing it over to God, trusting God with it, with us, and the cause of our anger sets us free to forgive, have greater capacity to love even when it's painfully, painfully hard to do so. Miroslav Wolf is a Croatian-born theologian who now teaches at Yale, and he's written a lot about justice and forgiveness and anger out of his own experience of of violence and conflict in, in the Balkans and growing up there. He writes, By placing unattended rage before God, we place both our unjust enemy and our own vengeful self face to face with a God who loves and does justice. Hidden in the dark chambers of our heart and nourished by the systems of darkness, hate grows and seeks to infest everything with its hellish will to exclusion. In the light of the justice and love of God, however, hate recedes and the seed is planted for the miracle of forgiveness. The seed is planted for the miracle of forgiveness. That miracle of forgiveness and mercy is able to happen when we hand over our anger to God because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Anger cannot turn into love and mercy without the cross. On the cross, Jesus took upon himself the world's evil injustice and our desire to to enact vengeance, our rage to do harm. He bore it. He bore it all. And his resurrection transformed all of that into, into life and love and the possibility for restoration and healing. So really, that final relinquishing of anger to God is really a double gift. It's a gift because it frees us to be able to practice justice and mercy and it even empowers us to work for justice in a better world. But it's also a gift because in handing over our anger, we're confessing something about God's nature and the power of the cross. Both of those things change us and transform us. Relinquishing our anger isn't a tool to get something we want. It's a tool for being and becoming more of who God desires us to be. So our anger at others then becomes a chance to recommit ourselves to God. So we hand over our our anger to God and God's power and love, transform it into something life-giving like mercy or love or, or courage or compassion or justice. So what are you angry about today? Have you ever been consumed with with rage or or anger? Anger is a completely normal human emotion. Jesus got angry. The Psalms are full of anger, but it's anger prayed to God. Rather than pretending that, that we can't get angry because that's just what not what nice Christians do, and Christianity is about being nice, rather than burying it deep inside until it destroys us, rather than acting out of our anger in some vengeful, explosively damaging actions, we take it to God in prayer, using the Psalms as a guide. When we pray our anger, we we name it, own it before God instead of acting with violence. We, 
we investigate it, find the source, and therefore what we really need to ask God for. And then we, we relinquish it. We relinquish it all to God and God's perfect way of love and justice to, to ensure that in the end, we're transformed. To ensure that we're healed and made more whole. To ensure that, that we are not consumed by it, but ignited to labor for the things that God loves the most. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.